You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Rolling into week number two of the college football season. Four top 25 games later today. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, we're breaking it down. We left off with TCU in Arkansas. I'm expecting the Hogs to dominate in Fayetteville. Double-digit victory, Rich. Your pick? Yeah, it won't happen. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I could see Arkansas winning. I do not see a blowout. I, I think it models last year. Lots of points. Entertaining. Kenny Hill, I think, acquits himself well against that Arkansas defense. Close victory. I'll say uh, 37-34. Entertaining TCU victory. Wow. They're ranked 23rd in the country. We'll see how that game plays out at 3.30 later today. Another intriguing battle within the state of Pennsylvania. Penn State and Pittsburgh. Rematch of last year that Pittsburgh won 42-39. Now Pittsburgh goes on the road to Happy Valley. Tough environment. They're coming off a a disappointing, I want to say, 28-21 win over FCS opponent. Youngstown State, while Penn State dominated Akron last week, but I like Pittsburgh in this matchup to keep this game close. Penn State wins, but it's a lot closer than people think. I totally disagree. I usually don't buy into revenge factors, especially year over year. You have a lot of new kids, kind of hard to maintain that intensity, but Penn State lost to Pitt last year. Penn State hated losing to Pitt. Now they're in Happy Valley, rolled last week over Akron. The combination of Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley against a Pittsburgh defense that is A, mediocre, and B, once again, without its best player, safety Jordan Whitehead. I'm not buying into Max Brown, the Pittsburgh quarterback. I think the Panthers have problems. Penn State is ready to expose them. I could see this in the neighborhood of about 45 to 20. They cover the three touchdowns and they get revenge for last year's loss. They're going to love laying it to Pittsburgh. Well, Penn State over 500 yards of total offense. Trace McSorley over 300 yards passing. They rush for 247 on the ground. That'll be the matchup that you want to see play out later today in Happy Valley because Pittsburgh allowed 310 passing yards to Youngstown State. Youngstown State made it to the FCS championship game last year and lost to James Madison, but this was a secondary last year that was ranked 127th out of 128 teams in FBS. They allowed 333 passing yards per game. Uh, That was second last only to Arizona State. So can Trace McSorley exploit that secondary will be key. And again, just to reiterate, no Jordan Whitehead, which is a big problem. And the other thing, too, is I like these Penn State wide receivers. I know they're replacing Chris Godwin now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But the combination of their tight end, Mike Gesicki, and their wide receivers, led by uh, Jawan Johnson, um, they're big and physical, and they could play above their defensive backs, Deshaun Hamilton, Saeed Blackwell, uh, Blacknall. So Trace McSorley plus those big wide receivers, Saquon, I, I, I really think this is going to be a blowout for Penn State. Well, I'll say this about Pat Narduzzi. He understands this rivalry. You could go back to the days, I mean, with Curtis Morton and the crew back in the old days, Alex Van Pelt. I think Pitt keeps this game close. Anywhere 10, 13 points, Pitt loses, but it's very, very close in Happy Valley late today when we come back we'll be breaking down number five oklahoma number two ohio state keep it where it is this is joe lisi rich sermonello live from studio 34 fantasy sports radio network
In 2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galena picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turn fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at rotoexperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. battle taking place later today in the horseshoe number five Oklahoma number two Ohio State Baker Mayfield coming fresh off a 19 of 20 performance uh, rich last week 329 yards three touchdowns no interceptions uh, look for this offense to run an up-tempo attack later today to put the pressure on JT Barrett, a little bit inconsistent last week on the road in Bloomington, still passed for 302 yards. But I like the speed of Oklahoma here. I think they get the upset win in the horseshoe later today. Not just the cover. You're no. talking about no an outright cover victory. Win. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it that way. I like Oklahoma. I love Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's just the quintessence of a college quarterback. I don't know what he'll do in the pros. I don't care what he'll do in the pros. He is a great college quarterback. I like what he brings to this program. Here are a couple of things to keep in mind. Okay, I know year over year things change. Apples to oranges, right? 2016 versus 2017. But last year, Ohio State faced Oklahoma. That game was in Norman. Bob Stoops was still the head coach. Ohio State was the youngest program in the country, and yet the Buckeyes won by three touchdowns. Dominated that game. Probably could have been more than three touchdowns. Now, flash forward to today. No Bob Stoops. You have the youngest coach in the in college football, Lincoln Riley. He's never even coached as a head coach on the road. The game is in Columbus. Ohio State is a year older, and Oklahoma lost many of their key weapons. Now, I like this Oklahoma program. They might be the class of the Big 12. They are not winning in the horseshoe tonight. And and that's from somebody who is not buying into JT Barrett. I have major concerns about JT Barrett. Ohio State is not going to lose this game at home against Oklahoma. Well, I think the X factor in this matchup can be tight end. H-back Mark Andrews, seven receptions, 134 yards last week and one touchdown. How they can mismatch him on linebackers and nickelbacks in red zone opportunities. Much like Gronkowski for the New England Patriots, that can be an X factor in this ballgame. Now, I think the up-tempo attack can play a factor, much the way it did in Bloomington last week with Richard Lego and that secondary. They struggled in man-to-man coverage. Now, granted, they, there's no D.D. Westbrook, no Samaj P. Ryan, no Joe Mixon in the short to intermediate passing game, but if they can run the football consistently, just enough to work off a of play action, I think Mayfield could attack that secondary. I think they could jump up early, and keep this in mind, Lincoln Riley's a young coach. He has nothing to lose. Everybody's expecting them to lose this game. We saw it with San Jose State. Brennan, a young head coach, he rolled the dice. Next thing you know, Charlie Strong and USF were down 17 to nothing in that matchup i still think he's going to feel a lot of pressure though joe i mean this is he realizes that he's under the microscope doesn't have to win i'm not i'm not suggesting that this is a make or break game that would be absurd but lincoln riley realizes that this is a team that is hoping and expecting to go to the playoffs And, and and one of the reasons why last year didn't go as planned besides the Houston loss was the fact that they took it on the chin against Ohio State. I mean, so there's a lot at stake here for the Oklahoma program. My question is, yeah, running the ball would be great. And the Oklahoma offensive line might be as good as any in the country led by Orlando Brown. 
But that O-line is going to be neutralized by the best and deepest defensive line in the country. I mean, they are truly too deep with elite players along that uh, Ohio State defensive line. On the second level, you have Jerome Baker, who can go sideline to sideline and string out those Oklahoma running backs. So Baker may feel great. But I think this is a game where you ask yourself, which of those supporting cast members, which receiver beyond Mark Andrews, which running back? Is it going to be Abdul Adams? Is it going to be Rodney Anderson on the outside? Is it going to be someone like Jeff Bidette? I mean, who is going to step up and make plays against Ohio State? Yes, secondary had problems in week one. I think they grow in week two, though. See, I think it's different. I think it's not so much the player, but the offensive philosophy. You you don't have to chuck it 50 times a game. It's when you're aggressive on first and second down. If you're aggressive and running an up-tempo attack, you neutralize the pass rush of Bosa, of Lewis, and that front seven. You, you don't give them the opportunities to substitute like they were struggling with last week with Rich Lego. They were running plays 10, 12 seconds between uh, plays and and that forced Ohio State's hand. And you're talking about better personnel than Indiana. That's the one thing. I think when you look at the speed factor in this ballgame, we're in agreement that Bob Stoops gets better recruits than Indiana and Tom Allen. So if they're able to instill that type of philosophy on the road with the best – I think Baker Mayfield's the best mm-hmm. quarterback on the field tonight. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. But, you know, what we haven't talked about is the Oklahoma defense. And, and when Teddy Lehman comes on, I really want to ask him about that because the entire week, nobody has talked about the Oklahoma defense. I don't know if that's just something that the Oklahoma fans want to avoid, but no Jordan Parker. He's out right. from that secondary. Secondary was inconsistent, got a lot better last year as the season went on. So I think JT Barrett could have. JT Barrett looked great last year against Oklahoma. If only they could have played Oklahoma in 13 games last year, JT Barrett might have won the Heisman. <laughs> But, you know, JT, I think, will be fine managing this game. But also keep in mind, J.K. Dobbins looked great in his first game, the true freshman. Ohio State did not have Mike Weber, their feature back. So now Mike Weber is back as well. So you have that one-two punch coming out of the backfield. I think you'll see Ohio State make some plays against an Oklahoma defense that is fine but is not fantastic by any stretch. Great point. I'll say this about Oklahoma's defense. They only allowed around 135 rushing yards per game in run support last year. That's not my concern for Oklahoma. My concern is the secondary. And again, when you look at JT Barrett going up against that secondary last year with Noah Brown, four touchdown receptions in that ballgame, that was the difference for Oklahoma in losing that battle. They were really mismatched on a bigger wide receiver. Now you look at this year with Paris Campbell and those wide receivers Again, struggled on the road in the first half. Granted, it was the first half. They came on in the second half with uh, you know Kevin Wilson running the offense. He got a better feel for what they can do. But I just look at the speed of Oklahoma. Again, I think they last year they took Ohio State for granted. I think they thought they, they were the better team, the better offense, and could outscore JT Barrett. And when Ohio State punched them in the mouth, I really don't think they knew how to respond. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's better line play for Oklahoma. You touched on Paris Campbell, and that's interesting. I, I'm curious tonight 
I, I want to know which skill players for Oklahoma step up, but I also want to know which receivers step up for Ohio State because there are going to be opportunities against that Oklahoma secondary, which can be inconsistent, can be leaky. So you have Paris Campbell, who is a tremendous athlete. You have someone like Benjamin Victor, another very good athlete. So, you know, I want to see which of those young skill players can make plays against an Oklahoma defense that is quick off the edge but still susceptible to the pass. And part of the reason why they were so good against the run is that a lot of opponents, especially in the Big 12, abandoned the run because they knew they could beat the secondary. Well, that was the thing about Oklahoma. They allowed 269 passing yards to opposing offenses last year. At one point throughout the year, they were ranked 127th out of 128 teams after the ninth game of the year after Patrick Mahomes and that offense lit them up in that ball game in Lubbock. Here's the thing I think that if you're Oklahoma, you have to pressure J.T. Barrett, especially on third-down situations. Dobbins is going to get his yards uh, because of the offensive line play. Weber, I'm not sold on Weber being an elite back. He's a solid back. I think Dobbins has better vision than Mike Weber overall. Now, if they could stack the box and force J.T. Barrett to beat them on third-down situations, that can be the matchup for Oklahoma's defense that you want to roll the dice and, and utilize blitz packages. They could have an advantage there can i try to corner you you could always corner yeah um oklahoma wins tonight 27 20 okay you told me in the offseason baker mayfield no shot of winning the Heisman. i still don't think that he wins tonight if if he beats ohio state in the horseshoe and oklahoma moves up to what uh number two number three in the country with a victory like that i mean that would be an epic road victory to me, everybody's chasing Baker Mayfield for the rest of the season, especially considering nobody in the Big 12 is going to stop him. No defense in the Big 12 is going... No. Not, not even no. Oklahoma State, right? I mean, Not you know, at all. So, no. Well, yeah. Mason Rudolph has something but, to but say about no, that, too. No, I know. They'll duel, but that defense of Oklahoma State I don't think stops Oklahoma. They so if, he, me if Baker, night. If Baker passes this test... I think he could be in the HOV lane to New York City. Well, I agree with you. He's top five. Again, does he win the Heisman? When we had that Heisman talk, it wasn't just about the arrest. It was about the negativity surrounding the Oklahoma program. Not just Joe Mixon. Everybody forgets D.D. Westbrook had off-the-field issues as well. You can't pin that on Baker. It has nothing to do with Baker Mayfield. That's not the perception. This is not a renegade program. and, And they've had issues, but this isn't Baylor. No, I mean, they, they, no. They, they're not a renegade program. So I listen, I, I think if Baker takes care of business and they pull the upset, I hope and, he takes and, care and, of business. and he plays well. I think that for the next three months, everybody in terms of the Heisman chase, everybody is is uh, is looking at his back. Well, much to your point, uh, Tom Herman and the Texas Longhorns might have something to say about that in a couple of weeks in the Red River rivalry that might play out. Tom with. Herman has nothing to say about anything at this point. <laughs> fairy with, dust with his fairy, fairy dust, dust comment. I don't well, want to hear from Tom be- Herman. They better get the they better get the victory today over San Jose State. You were hosting or- Maryland, not uh, not Alabama last week. Well, this it doesn't wh- take fairy dust to beat the Terrapins with a backup No, it doesn't, but it will be, it, if Oklahoma wins this ball game tonight, it will be because of Baker Mayfield. Make no mistake about it. It's not going to be because of Adams or anybody else. It will be because of Baker Mayfield's ability to stretch that Ohio State secondary. When we come back, we'll be joined by Teddy Lehman talking about Oklahoma, Ohio State. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello live from Studio 34 Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hello. 
Hello, friends. If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the DraftKings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Tell them Greg Sussman sent you. Huge matchup taking place later tonight. Oklahoma, Ohio State, Baker Mayfield, JT Barrett. I love Baker Mayfield here. 27-20, Lincoln Riley upsets Urban Meyer. You don't think more points than that? I mean, 47 total no. points. I, I think this will be a higher scoring game, Joe. And not, Listen, I, I think Oklahoma can play with Ohio State. I think it'll be a much better matchup than last year. But at the end of the day, in Columbus against that Ohio State front four. I think the Buckeyes get away with a victory. Uh, Toss-up as to whether or not they cover. I'll, I'll lay those points and say they win by eight or nine, but it Ooh, should be a competitive barely, game, though. Barely. 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 By a nudge. Yeah. Last year it was 45-24, so, I mean, they got a convincing victory last year in I Norman. I don't think it'll be that one-sided this year. I don't if think it so is, either. it'll be a major disappointment I think it's very Oklahoma. important for Baker Mayfield in that offense to get going early. Look for a ball-control type of attack, especially on the first drive. Once they get the lead, they'll utilize tempo, and I think... Oklahoma prevails in a lower scoring game 27 to 20 intriguing matchup taking place in Ames love this matchup it's a rematch of last year Iowa dominated 42 to 3 but this is a team in Iowa State and their head coach Matt Campbell last year in 2016 lost four games by a total of 25 points to Oklahoma Oklahoma State Kansas State and Baylor they got a convincing week one victory. Look out for their quarterback, Jacob Park. I love this kid. Yeah, I, I, I like Park. I like David Montgomery. Love Alan Lazard, their wide receiver. And I, I think you and I throughout the offseason both expressed the fact that we like Matt Campbell and we like where, he's, where he has this, uh, this uh, program heading. And I, I won't deviate from that. I really like Iowa State. I think they could potentially be a bowl team, maybe get to 6-6, six and six, get to the postseason. But Iowa really impressed me last week. I, I think if you asked me in the preseason, I would have been on the same ship as you. I would have said, give me the, the, the Cyclones in an upset, the mild upset at that. Kool-Aid. But watching Iowa and the way they handled Wyoming and Josh Allen last week, keeping that team out of the end zone, that Iowa defense, the Iowa offensive line, the combination on the ground of Akram Wadley and James Butler – Iowa State has a long way to go in the trenches. They have the skill players. They have the quarterback in Jacob Park. Good shape there. But when you look at the offensive line and the defensive line, I don't think they match up well with Iowa. So while I think this will be a competitive game, particularly in Kinnick, uh, particularly in Ames, I, I think Iowa gets out of there with a the victory. Well, here's a matchup that I think you need to see play out in, in Ames later today. Iowa did a fantastic job. They held Josh Allen to 174 passing yards. They held Wyoming overall, 59 rushing yards on the ground. We said it last week. I, I liked Iowa in that matchup because of the loss of Brian Hill to that offense. Their leading rusher from a year ago, I felt like they were one-dimensional, and they were in that ballgame, especially in third-down situations. They teed off on Josh. 
Josh Allen. This is a different offense, though, with Matt Campbell. They're more of a wide-open offense. They have two solid running backs, like you mentioned, Montgomery and Warren. And for me, I think that's where the difference is. I think they can attack Iowa secondary without Desmond King on first and second down and then run the football. And I'll disagree about the offensive line play for uh, Iowa State. Matt Campbell, in his days at Toledo, one of the best offensive lines year in and year out. They allowed 31 sacks last year as an offensive unit. Another year in the system, I think they'll be much better. And Jacob Park, though, he's a former Georgia transfer, 27 of 35, 271 through the air last week, two touchdowns, one interception. He, I'm telling you, he could be one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the Big 12. Don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, Jacob Park finished last season very strong. I think he'll build off of that. But in terms of the offensive line, Matt Campbell did do a great job at Toledo. Three new offensive line starters going up against a veteran front seven of Iowa, led by Josie Jewell, who played very well against Wyoming last year. So, you know, I I think looking at week one, I liked Wyoming in part because of the rebuilt secondary of Iowa, but they did a great job last week against Josh Allen, someone who NFL scouts are predicting might be a top overall pick next season. So, you know, Iowa tends to rebuild on the fly. They tend to be a gritty defensive unit. They have the offensive line talent. I think once you get to, I think this is a four quarter game, but once you get to the fourth quarter, the Hawkeyes are going to grind down the Cyclones. They'll take the Cyhawk trophy. I think it'll be close, but Iowa is one of my best bets today. I don't think they lose this game. To Iowa State. We agreed on one game since the show Which one was Clemson. That? Clemson. We should have our head examined. I'm, <laughs> I'm switching. I'm going Where's with the Auburn. Where's the couch? Marenzi's coming on soon. We'll have our therapy Paging Dr. Freud. <laughs> I can't wait. That's coming up in a couple of minutes. But I will say this about the offensive matchup for Iowa State. Now, Iowa State, I think they could attack that secondary differently because of their ability to run the football. Now, on the flip side, with Nathan Stanley, a quarterback, I mean, he only completed 8 of 15 passes last week. Only 100 125 passing yards through the air. That's the way you have to attack Iowa State's defense. I mean, they only gave up 119 rushing yards on the ground last week. They gave up 259 through the air. I don't have a a lot of faith in Nathan Stanley to stretch that Cyclones defense. Especially since there's some quality players on the back end of that Iowa State defense. Brian Peavy, cornerback, Kamari Cotton-Moya, their safety, both all Big 12 candidates, so they do. I, I think they are strongest on the back end. So it's going to come down the, to the ability to run the ball, and I think that's exactly what Iowa is going to look to do, as Iowa always does under Kirk Ferentz, which is committing to pound the rock with two backs, James Butler, Akram Wadley. I think they'll have success. Might get off to a slow start, but once you get to the second half, early in the season, still sort of warm in Iowa, I think they're going to wear down that smallish front of Iowa State. You know, moral victory for Matt Campbell. Not an actual victory. Uh. Iowa is a step ahead of Iowa State. This means something in the state of Iowa. Hawkeyes get away with a six-point victory. Ooh, I say Iowa State wins this ball game. I think it's high scoring, though. I think they forced the tempo against Iowa, much the way Northwestern did at home last year in Kinnick Stadium. Uh, Iowa lost that ball game. That was with C.J. Beathard. I think Iowa State, same type of offense. That's what you see play out. 
38-31. Matt Campbell and the crew get the victory it later today. It would be huge for Matt Campbell. I think that, they're going to be 6-6 six be... and six this yeah. year, so yeah. I agree with you. Bowl eligible. I think they have a breakthrough season later today in Ames. Another matchup that I really can't wait to watch. It's a 10-30 kick. Going to be up until about 4 o'clock in the morning later today, but this is what it's all about. I'm hoping for triple overtime. I'll be, I'll be on the couch, around like I'll be on the couch you know, watching this game play Pounded out. Pounded Red Bulls. <laughs> Brett Ripper and the yeah. crew, yeah. fresh off their 24-13 victory last week against Troy, go on the road. It's a rematch of last year to face Mike Leach and Luke Falk. Last year, Boise State jumped out to a big lead, got the win 31-28, to Rich. But Luke Falk and the crew this year, uh, to me, is a different animal. He completed 33 of 39 passes last week, 311 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. This was a Washington State offense that rushed for 150 yards last week against Montana. That's the difference. And keep an eye out for James Williams, the running back, 13 receptions, 163 yards, and a touchdown. His ability in the short to intermediate passing game. You and I both liked Washington in the offseason. I really like this program. Mike Leach, you bring back the veteran quarterback. You mentioned Luke Falk. The balance in the running game. And, and here's something that folks don't talk about. If you haven't followed Pac-12 football, you think about Mike Leach, think about Washington State, you say, yeah, they could throw for a million yards. This is not Texas Tech and Cliff Kingsbury. This is a, a team that has an outstanding offensive line led by Cody O'Connell. They have a defense. Defensive coordinator Alex Grinch likes to attack, led by Hercules Mata'afa up front. So this is a program that is closer to being complete than what we're accustomed to out of Mike Leach. And oh, by the way, they're now hosting Boise State, which to me, I'm unimpressed by Boise yeah. State. We you said know, it last week. Defense, yeah, right. They're just not the, they're not the same old Boise State that we've grown accustomed to. Defensively solid. I thought they did a great they job did. against Troy last week. Really contained Jordan Chun and Brandon Silvers. So that's something to think about. But offensively, they're a mess. Now, now offensive line's a problem, and they're uh, Washington State is going to attack that offensive line. I don't think Boise State has the firepower to keep up with Luke Falk. I agree with you, and I'll say this about <clears throat> Boise State defense last week. They recorded four sacks against Brandon Silvers, but it, uh, Troy's a little bit different type of offense than Luke Falk with those running backs overall, and that was the concern for Boise State entering this matchup this year. I mean, sack totals, 47 three years ago, dipped to 33 two years ago. Last year, it was 29, so that was a solid effort, but offensively, Brett Rippon only had 160 passing yards through the air last week. You're talking about a quarterback in Luke Falk last week that completed his first 18 passes, now granted some of them were on shovel passes and the short to intermediate routes, but last year he completed 70% of his passes. I mean, that's the difference for me. They're going to jump out early. They're playing in Pullman. Expect a confident crew. And when you can run the football for 150 yards on the ground in that offense, you're going to wear down some teams. Yeah, listen, I, I usually don't like laying double digits to Boise State because Boise State doesn't get blown out. I mean, Boise no. State rarely, if ever, gets blown out. But for Washington State, I think this could be a bit of a coronation. They lose this game last year. They want to make a statement. It's a late game, so I don't think you'll be making much of a statement to the East Coast, <laughs> maybe to the Midwest and, and, and the West. But that combination of Falk and the ability to run the ball, Alex Grinch, and the pressure defense that they're going to put on a young offensive line of Boise State. I think Washington State gets out to an early lead, 
puts their foot on the pedal. And Brett Rippon and company, I don't think they can make the comeback. So I, I think this could be a two-touchdown, possibly 17-point victory. I give the cover to Washington State an impressive win. Even though it's in the different division in the Pac-12, if they're watching that game USC-Stanford play out and they watch that battle, I mean, they dominated Stanford last year in Palo Alto. If somehow, some way, Stanford's winning that matchup. Somehow, Wash- some way, it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. But it anyway, is happen. I'm just saying, if that plays out, Washington State could be playing with more confidence heading into yeah. that matchup later today. It's a 10:30 kick. When we come back, we'll be joined by Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. We'll get his best picks for the early part of the day. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, live from New York, Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. an hour and 20 minutes away from the start of the opening kickoff can't wait what better way to break down the early part of the slate than with game time decisions host you've seen him on the fantasy sports radio network he's live via celebrity guest line gabe morenci gabe how are you today i'm ready to rock and roll guys great to be with you i'm excited for a uh, big day of college football yeah, we got you locked and loaded with some of the big games right here. We just broke it down. We're in disagreement on almost every game on the card, Gabe. You're the deciding factor. Let's start with Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield, JT Barrett, Ohio State. How do you see this game playing out? I got to simplify this uh, football game, and I just can't believe that a rookie coach is going to go into the shoe and beat an Urban Meyer coach football team. Urban Meyer, 61-7 and seven straight up against non-conference opponents. And I think, you know, we talked about uh, Urban Meyer and the chip uh, that the Buckeyes are going to have on their shoulder all year long. And I'd like to see Urban Meyer getting into the comedy business as well, taking pot shots at Coach Tom Herman. Got to be careful uh, doing that. You can't live uh, in a glass house. Uh, but I can't believe that if a team with Joe Mixon, P. Ryan, and D.D. Westbrook playing on their home field couldn't find a way of beating this Ohio State team. Last week, we talked about pedigree. And as good as FSU's pedigree was, you know, recent pedigree belonged to Alabama. And I see a similar situation uh, here. You know, Oklahoma haven't lost uh, since that game, guys, in which they got beat down by 21 points. And in fact, they haven't scored less than 34 points uh, since that football game. They've gone over 50 points four times i am very intrigued um to see how baker mayfield uh, and the oklahoma sooner offense uh, will do on the road in this spot you're not playing utah utep anymore he ain't going 19 to 20 guys 
Long story short, I can't get in front of Ohio State uh, here. I think the Ohio State Buckeyes will find a way and they'll end up winning this football game by double digits. And I'd also like the game to go over the number as well. I would agree with you. Uh, thank you for breaking that tie. I, I can't see Ohio State <laughs> losing at home after what happened last year as well, Gabe. But uh, talk a little bit of uh, Tigers for I us. did disagree with both of you, though. Sorry, sorry, Rich. I did disagree with both of you on another football game that we'll get to in a couple of minutes. But Let's talk yeah, Tigers. I'm not going to be the... ACC yeah, Tigers, SEC the, uh, Tigers. Uh, which, which of the Tigers do you like in Death Valley tonight? Yeah, well, exactly. I won't be one of the uh, 382 uh, media jackasses that says, oh, well, the Tigers are going to win, guys. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the Clemson Tigers here. And, you know, earlier in the week, I was trying to talk myself in to the Auburn Tigers. Generally, I'm an underdog better, Rich. You know, I want to believe in the underdog. I always want to be getting the points. And, you know, it's like, um, you know, the old Woody Hayes uh, factor. You know, why do I run the ball so much? Because, you know, if you throw the ball, three things can happen. Um, two of them are bad per se so similar very similar when betting i'd always like to have points if i can uh, but i can't overlook uh, the fact that uh, the clemson tigers have beaten them uh, three straight times uh, i can't overlook the fact that this clemson uh, defensive front's probably the best in college football so much focus on deshaun watson the clemson tigers weren't a one-man program dabo sweeney i won't say a hell of a coach because i know he's a very religious man so he's a heck of a coach uh dabo <laughs> Dabo does a great job with this program. I know that uh, Kent State uh, isn't the, the defense uh, that Kelly Bryant's going to see right now. And I'm a big Jared Stanham fan. It wouldn't shock me if this Auburn Tiger football team was a 10-win team when it was all said and done. I just don't think they're ready yet. Uh, yeah, they played uh, Georgia Southern last week. Their defense was suffocating. I get it. It's a different situation. I think we have a lower-scoring football game here. But there are still... There are still numerous kids that are going to be playing on the football field tonight that, that have played in the national championship game. Auburn just aren't there yet. They're a young team. I like Auburn a lot this year. I think they're going to go in the right direction. I'm a big Stenham fan, but i got to lay the five points out with the defending national champ. I think the point spread's too low. Nobody's respecting the Rock here. Well, he's in agreement with us on Clemson, and that's good to hear. Great minds think alike. Oh, here we go. Well, how about this battle? It's a Pac-12 battle. Stanford's won five of the last seven, Gabe. I'm on USC because of the speed factor. Don't buy into the bye week. Something tells me you're going with the Cardinal in this matchup. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you know me well, Joe. We've known each other a while right now. I just can't do it. I can't do it. Listen, I was in the Las Vegas Westgate Super Bowl uh, Superbook uh, last week, and you know the USC Trojans are a very public team in, in Las Vegas, and even I bought in, guys. I laid the price with the USC Trojans in the first half against Western Michigan, minus 16 and a half. Boom! Trojans start off the game with a touchdown. I'm thinking, oh, we're looking good, and then the wheels fall off, and the Broncos rush for 263 yards. I can't overlook that. Christian, who, who, McCaffrey? Yeah, that's all good. You know, give me some love. Give me some Bryce love. Uh, this is a classic sizzle uh, versus steak matchup. And I'll tell you what, you know, the sizzle might look good, but the steak fills you full of protein. I can't overlook a Stanford Cardinal team that are 12-3 and against the spread, guys. The last 15 times they've stepped onto a football field while getting points. You know, I like the fact that they're coming off the bye right now. Uh, there's something special about Keller, Chris. There really is. 7-0 and as a starter right now, and the kid keeps on developing. I, you know, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that USC can't win this football game by six points, and it's up to six points right now. And here's another thing. 
Clay Helton can recruit. It's a lot like at Oregon. Um, you know, you can recruit. Can you win uh, big football games? Clay Helton has proved this to me. And if we're going to, you know, similar situation, we're talking about Lincoln Riley versus Urban Meyer. If we're playing chess here, or checkers for that matter, I want uh, David Shaw, well, probably the most underrated coach in college football. Give me David Shaw, Stanford Cardinal, plus six. You like them plus six, but do you like them to win outright? See, I do. I I, I think Stanford wins this game. I think and, they can. Yeah. I, yeah. You know what? I think all the talk of USC, they have to prove it to me, Rich. And, you know, even Sam Darnold, there's a lot of pressure on this kid. It's a lot, you know, he came in, he tore it apart last year when he took over for Max Brown. I get it. Now you're the consensus. You know, the city of New York is waiting for you essentially right now. And even Sam Darnold said, hey, if you're not a fellow team, take it for me. That's that's a big mistake. I'm just a kid trying to play football here. But we saw the pressure last week. And this Stanford uh, Cardinal defense, can it be able to get after it? I think the Cardinals just relish uh, being in an underdog situation like this. I think they can win the game outright. I think they will win the game outright. And I also think the total is a little bit low. I think there's going to be some points I'll put up on the board in this football game. I like the over in this game. And I've got I've got a couple of rapid-fire picks before round let's of the segment, too. If you let's guys do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah, so listen. This, this sentence, guys has never ended well for anybody and has probably actually gotten some people killed a couple of miles from the studio right now. I'm going to bet on Rutgers today. <laughs> oh, boy. Why? Wow. Yeah. You're not wow. a Brogan Roback fan. Oh, I love Brogan Roback. We love Brogan here. <laughs> you say you're going to bet on Rutgers. That doesn't end well normally for anybody. Besides well, are you bookie. talking football or a, or a non-football crew? activity here? Crew? Rutgers crew. I'm not talking beer pong. I'm not talking beer pong. I'm, talking, I'm talking football. I like what I saw last week, guys. And I cashed a ticket last night with the Boilers and the Purdue Boilermakers. And I got to tell you, a lot of the trendy guys, a lot of the you know, so-called sharps, we're talking about the Ohio, Ohio Bobcats. And, oh, it's a letdown for, for Purdue. Uh, Purdue, they, you know, they fired off their bullets off against Louisville in the following week. I didn't buy that. What I saw was a MAC team against the Big Ten team. And I know, I know that Rutgers are barely hanging on to their Big Ten card privileges right now. <laughs> but it's still a MAC team versus a Big Ten team. There's going to be a difference with the size in the trenches. I like the uh, the ground game. Let's give let's let's ride the Gus bus here. You know, give the Rock a Gus. Let's ride the bus. I think that the the Rutgers Scarlet Knights are going in the right direction and are going to find life a lot easier against this Eastern Michigan team than they did against the defending Pac-12 champions. Total's too low at 51 and a half. I got burnt with the total last week. Washington started out a little bit slow. I love the over. My bad. I apologize for that pick, but um, I think this game goes over 51 and a half. Uh, Speaking of high-scoring games, uh, I I don't see how Louisville and uh, North Carolina don't get over 63 and a half as well. And, you know, I really like what I saw. People, it's funny how people are going to look at Louisville and say, well, look, they didn't look that great against Purdue. And who are Purdue? I thought they looked good. I like the poise in the pocket that Lamar Jackson showed instead of just pulling the trigger and running right away. Yeah, I think North Carolina are a little bit of trouble right now. As we saw, a very young Cal team go in there as big underdogs and go up and down the field on them. I think we have a double-digit win for the Louisville Cardinal today. And I think it goes over the number 63 and a half. And I'd like to get your take on this one, guys. I think there's a big overreaction here to this uh, Middle Tennessee State loss last week. I tell you what, the Commies are a good football team this year. Vanderbilt have a lot of talent. I just don't get it. 
So what, Syracuse, Blast, Central, Connecticut State? Yeah, good for you. Give me the double-digit points with the minis in a game that's going to be a freaking track meet like the over in that football game. And what I wanted to disagree with you with, I don't know if I'm a sucker. Uh, yeah, let's say, yeah, I am a sucker, all right? I'm that guy that bangs my head against the wall all day and expects different results. But with that being stated, I'm not buying into Luke Falk. I'm not buying in. Mike Ooh. Leach is a great interview. He's a funny guy. He's a genius in all this. I just can't justify laying double digits with the Cougars against the Broncos in this football game. I think there's you no know, people are like, oh, you know, they struggle with Troy. Troy, you're a good football team. Not everybody in the state of Alabama can play for Auburn and uh, and the Tide guys. Troy, you're a good football team. Give me the double-digit points with the Broncos, and I got more late picks later, too. Oh, Gabe, we're going to be bucking heads all day today. Great information. We'll get you back. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you back at 1140. We'll talk about some of the games. When we come back, Rich and I will be talking about some of the other big games, including Louisville and North Carolina. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Quarterback to receiver hookups, running back depth analysis, rookie values in dynasty leagues, deep sleepers, training camp battles. These are just a few of the in-depth features you will find inside the 2017 RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. And it's power-packed with so much more, including fully sortable player projections and a custom cheat sheet generator. Plus, you get a full year of in-season coverage as a bonus. Get the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package now at rotoexperts.com. Enter free radio at checkout for your special discount. Great information from Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. Gave a couple of picks outside what we were looking at. Rutgers and Middle Tennessee State with Brent Stockstill. I actually like that pick on the road in the Carrier Dome, Rich. Here we go with some 12 o'clock games. Northwestern and Duke. I know they did not play well last week in Ryan Field. They got the 31-20 victory over in Nevada. But I like Northwestern, Justin Jackson, to dominate this matchup, win by 13 points or more later today. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the quarterbacks, Daniel Jones for Duke, Clayton Thorson of Northwestern. The difference will be Justin Jackson. You and I both like Northwestern in totality for the season, and I like them here as well. What a little bit of a rivalry game within the state of Michigan. These teams played a couple of years ago when Michigan State made it to the college football playoff, and Western Michigan and Darius Phillips played very, very well in that ballgame at home. They now go to East Lansing. People expecting a little bit of a letdown, but with those running backs of Bogan and Franklin, I think they keep this game very close, and I think they're in striking distance, but in the end, Michigan State wins by a field goal. You're, you're my numbers guy. I'm going to throw one out to you the last 12 times michigan state was favored by 10 or fewer points one and 11 against the spread four and eight overall they're favored by seven and a half i'll take western michigan yeah i like western michigan there here's one josh rosen down 44 to 10 he finally had that heisman moment 
Do you think we woke him up in that ball game? I tweeted nah. it out at halftime. When's he going to step up? Next thing you know, he stepped up and had the second biggest comeback in college football history. But I think this is a great spot for Hawaii yes. here. I think this, when I look at UCLA overall, over 372 yards rushing for Texas A&M. I mean, Hawaii's a balanced offense, a good quarterback in Drew Brown. This is not a dominant defense in the Bruins. I look for Hawaii to be in this game from start to finish. They could cover this number easy later today. Joe, UCLA does not have a killer instinct. They had their moment against Texas A&M. Shame on Texas A&M. But UCLA's in for a letdown. I think uh, Hawaii does cover that number. And by the way, UCLA is not this elite team in the Pac-12. Everybody's thinking that because they came back, that was more on Kevin Sumlin in that offense than it was the testament of UCLA's defense in that ballgame. Joe, that was a moment, not the beginning of a trend for UCLA. Couldn't agree more. Nick Fitzgerald and the crew go on the road to La Tech. I'm not a big Skip Holtz guy, but I think at home in this battle, I'm not sold on the defense of Mississippi. State. I like Louisiana Tech to cover this number later today. I thought about it because Skip has done a pretty good job in Ruston, but with all of the changes that they've had, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, I don't like the matchup of the Louisiana Tech offense versus what Nick Fitzgerald could do. So I think this is Nick Fitzgerald's day. Mississippi State gets a double-digit victory. Intriguing Big Ten Pac-12 battle. Uh, P.J. Fleck and Minnesota on the road in Oregon State. Corvallis, this is a must-win game for Gary Anderson and the crew. They lost last year in Minnesota 30-23. to I think the speed of Oregon State on the outside, and I don't have a lot of confidence in Rhoda and Dimery Croft at the quarterback position for Minnesota. An offensive philosophy shift, blue collar to a wide-open attack. I think that's the difference. Oregon State dominates this ballgame by 10 points or more. Yeah, I'll take Oregon State state as well got a little bit better in week two struggled in the opener against colorado state i still think gary anderson has this program methodically heading in the right direction they'll get an important victory against minnesota key battle for arizona state and todd graham they barely won against new mexico state 37 31 now rocky long and rashad penny who's coming off 197 rushing yards last week go on the road I'm not sold on Arizona State's defense overall as a whole. I'm not sold on the offensive line play of San Diego State, but they're a more blue-collar team. I think they get the upset victory on the road in Tempe later today. Arizona State, 10-0-1 all-time against San Diego State. Far be it for me to buck history. I'll take the Sun Devils. I hate their defense. I'll take ASU anyway. Well, when we come back, we'll be getting into a greater detail about the top 25 battles. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from New York. Uh, Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.